another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode number 36, Blood Diamond. I'm Gav. I'm Dave. I'm Joel. And I'm Austin. And just like diamonds, we're a girl's best friend. Oh, God. Jesus. What? <laughs> I'm trying something new. I'm trying something new, all right? I need to express my creativity. Right, okay, right. Austin, make a note, cut that, would you, please, man? Um, anyway, okay, so if you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. There'll also be lots of banter, some news, a quiz, some hilarious impressions, and some terrible songs. But before we get on to the bulk of the show, let's have... A bit of news. Nice. Yeah? You got it. Yeah, thanks, thanks, thanks. <laughs> okay, uh, so what we do here is we all go around in a circle and we discuss the most, I don't know, noteworthy uh, pieces of news that have happened this week. So, without further hesitation, Joel, what's your piece of news, my friend? Well, quite surprisingly to me, Jumanji is now Sony's highest grossing, sorry, second highest grossing movie ever. Ever? Ever. (laughs) So uh, it is behind Spider-Man 3, um, but it's overtaken Spider-Man 2, which were Sony's best movies to date. Which I just find insane, you this know. Is, this I, is the new Jumanji. The right? new Jumanji, yeah. So having having watched it, you know, it, it, it was fun, but to to be in that kind of bracket is 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 crazy. Well, that's what you get, mate, for underestimating the rock's drawing power. <laughs> right. I, I he does you. actually rock bottom somebody in there as well. Of course, he's got to. He writes it into everything. <laughs> so, yeah, that does surprise me. I, mean, I enjoyed it. I really did. It was, it was, I knew what I was signing on for, and I got exactly what I expected. But it was, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't anything special. Well, yeah, I think it's, it, it's essentially just a, a film with The Rock and Kevin Hart in, and people just want to go and see that. And Jack Black. Oh, and Karen Gillan. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jack Black. I mean, we'll take him. <laughs> Karen Gillan, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, are you guys surprised that number one is Spider-Man 3? I am quite surprised, but after Spider-Man 2, people were extremely hyped for Spider-Man 3, so I think that's where all those numbers came from. Yeah, I don't think it, it, it's not really a test of how good a film was, it's a test of how much hype was built up around it before it came out. Okay, so you're telling me that Spider-Man 3 should be on the hit list? <laughs> no, 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 not for a second. <laughs> Wait, okay, Austin, have you seen Jumanji 2? Uh, no, I've not, I've not. I've seen trailers, I've... Uh wanted to go and watch it but it's just another film that i'll probably never go and watch <laughs> just like every other film yeah. uh, so uh, hang on what is it called is it called jumanji 2 it's called, called jumanji is it no it's just jumanji welcome to the jungle or something like that i, I want to say welcome to the jungle but i'm pretty sure the rock was in a film that's called a different welcome rock to the jungle. <laughs> and he also rock bottomed somebody in there yeah, he did. <laughs> i can't wait for the time where he's in like a, a tender like kind of 19th century set love story where <laughs> it's just like this unexpected rock bottom out of nowhere <laughs> just as a people's elbow on the in the in the flower beds <laughs> lame is star in the rock um yeah 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 that is quite surprising that it's it's number two but it has like in um north america it was number one at the box office for ages and then it got um taken off by something and then a couple of weeks later it replaced it again so it's i mean i can't think of a film in recent times that has reclaimed the top spot of the box office because yeah. after a while it just you know people stop seeing it or you know, everyone has seen it or yeah. another film comes out instead so uh, yeah it's, uh, 
well done well done the rock <laughs> anyway uh, dave uh, would you like to discuss how good the rock is uh i'll take a pass on that one i'm going to talk about the baftas which is possibly the biggest film news of the of the week uh yeah big awards night for british film and it pretty much played out exactly how everyone thought it would with the exception of maybe best supporting actor which i think may have caught a few people off guard that went to sam rockwell as opposed to willem dafoe who was the favorite uh other than that though the awards pretty much played out as we thought so uh yeah, it looks like uh, the, the Oscars race has just warmed up a bit, and it looks like we've got a pretty good idea of who's going to be winning them. So, uh, best film was Three Billboards. It was. Uh, has everyone here seen... Oh, sorry, hang on. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Captain Dave and Joel, have you seen Three Billboards? I have. Yeah. I have. Okay, so uh, what do you think that's the, the best film? Uh, the deserving of the mm, title? I've not seen all of them yet, but I would say it's, I was saying before, you know, when I saw Spotlight... I saw that and I thought, wow, this has got to be one of the best films of the year. This could win the best picture. I watched Three Billboards. I didn't get that same feeling. Now, I've not seen all of them. Maybe out of the ones that have been nominated, it is the best of the lot. But I'll let you know when I've seen all of them. It's good, but it's not perfect. I mean, Joel, how did you feel? Did you like the film? Uh, not as much as I wanted to, really. Uh, like, yeah, I wanted to like it more. I just felt... I don't know, it had something missing in the film and especially... An ending. How, how, yeah, yeah. I, was gonna, I was just going to say the whole thing was just unresolved. And I know mm. I watched it with my girlfriend and, and like she was like, it better not end now. And then it ended and she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah it was, uh, I kind of likened it to the Italian job ending, but without the suspense. It's kind yeah. of like, bang on it, is that it? Um, yeah, and I thought it was good. I, I thought the performances made it though. If yeah. the performances weren't been as good as they were, if Francis McDormand and Sam Rockwell wouldn't have been in it and Woody Harrelson as well, mm-hmm. then I, I think it wouldn't have been as good as it, as it is. Um, but yeah, I think it's 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 sort of like half written. And so, so you know, it's a it's a good film. Don't get me wrong; I don't want anyone to think I'm bad mouthing it. But mm-hmm. I just think that I was, I, as you said, I was expecting more. I was expecting like this massive kind of blockbuster piece that was mm-hmm. going to make me feel all sorts of emotions. And then when it ended, it was a bit kind of felt shortchanged in a way. Yeah, good but not great. It was pretty much right. Yeah, but I was pleased to see Guillermo del Toro win Best Director. Yeah, yeah, that was a pleasure to see. You know, it's about time he got recognised and got, yeah. got something for his silverware. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I think. He's been producing some really good films for many, many years now. And I i mean, correct me if I'm mistaken, I don't think he has been an, uh, nominated for an o- Oscar for Best Director. I don't think he has. I think he's been up for Best Foreign Film yeah. and his role in like Pan's Labyrinth and things like that, but I don't think he's ever actually been nominated for the major awards. So, and, about time. Uh, nobody here. Oh, Joel, you've seen Shape of Water, haven't you? I have, yeah. Oh, okay, but, and then we'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, for one, thought Shape of Water was very good. Joel, do you agree? No, I thought it was absolutely terrible. <laughs> oh, man, you know what we should do? Make some sort of podcast where we have to disagree with each other. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I don't think many people would listen to that. I, don't if you, if you, I'll, I can sell it to you if you want. If you like bestiality, you'll enjoy Shape of Water. <laughs> Right, is that off the Roger Ebert website? <laughs> he's, he's, he's an amphibian. He's, he's not. A, he's not a beast. <laughs> is he described as a monster? We can all, right. all watch it after this if you want. <laughs> please, please, please. Okay. Uh, well, thank you very much for that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I watched bits of the Oscars, uh, Baftas. Sorry. Um, yeah. As you said, I don't think there was that many surprises, to no, be honest. No. Um, yeah. But still looking forward to the Oscars. I think we're going to try and bash out an Oscars special edition with our picks. Uh, if not, we'll probably just put something up on the website. Uh, maybe get a bit of a bet going. Maybe a bit of a pool. Yeah. 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 
I'll be, I'll be up for that. Well, there we go. We should put something up here. Yeah, yeah. If everyone puts a Freddo in and <laughs> the winner gets all the Freddos. <laughs> obsessed with Freddos, <laughs> man. <laughs> Freddos are Life. chocolate gold. <laughs> little, little drops of heaven. <laughs> <laughs> little frog-shaped drops of heaven. <laughs> anyway, Austin, what is your piece of news for the uh, week? So my, my news is that it's Jennifer Lawrence and it's not about her uh, bad-mouthing uh, anybody at the BAFTAs which apparently is sort of all of the gossip headlines at the moment. Oh, really? I've just lost, I've just turned it off, so I can't find who it was. She was, uh, she was dissing. But, um, but yeah, she's taking a year off. Uh, oh, really? Apparently. And I've actually just had a notification because I uh, subscribed to it to make sure that I knew what the news <laughs> was going to be, when uh, apparently now Jenna Florence won't take a year off, according to sources from her, <laughs> from, from, from her, t- from her team. That, that but, notification uh, literally just came through this moment. Yeah, yeah genuinely right this second. Jennifer, Jennifer Lawrence is now not taking a year off from acting. Um, she'll come back to work when one of several projects in development is ready to go. But uh, what I do know is that she was going to take a year off to do activism. Um, but now she's not. Potentially not, yeah. She's not said she's not. The last time she spoke, she said she was... Uh, she was taking a year off, um, which sounds pretty good. She wants to do uh, some activism, political activism, raise awareness of various non-profit organizations she's a part of. And I don't know, it sounds good. She's, um, if she sticks with it and other people maybe take a, a leaf out of her book for the times when they're not working, could be good. You need famous people to... Uh, maybe it was just a, you know, a kind of come and get me stunt. Like, just like, oh yeah, I'm taking a year off. And then all the directors were like, we fucking need her quick. Yeah, potentially. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe it was just a case of, you know, if she wanted to take a year off because, you know, she, she's passionate about making a change, but, um, an enticing project came along, you know, maybe it wasn't initially supposed to be a sort of like come again. Hunger Games 4. Hunger Games 4, yeah. <laughs> that's happening outside this door right now with my two cats. Um, President Snow's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay, well, thanks uh, for nothing, essentially, well, Austin. Yeah, it's a non-news. Non, non uh, I, I checked it up there, it was um, Joanna Lumley. Um, oh, was it? So apparently... Uh, the way that so jo- Joanna Lumley uh, called her onto the stage by calling her like the hottest actress in the planet, and you know picked up her new film Red Sparrow, and then um, Jennifer Lawrence came on and said, "Oh, that was a bit much, thanks." And then people were just saying that she seemed a bit rude and spoiled. Um, I mean, she's probably just tired, you know what I mean? Um, but <laughs> you don't have to defend Jennifer Lawrence. I do, I do. <laughs> <laughs> she's brilliant. Leave her alone. <laughs> I suppose the thing is, she's been doing her very best to work for equality as well. Uh, just recently so if you're being bigged up just for looking good doesn't, yeah, yeah. It doesn't probably doesn't help if that's the only thing you can get a well, I, I, I just glanced over google there that might not be the case <laughs> <laughs> she probably wasn't even there yesterday we just well, <laughs> I mean, why, we've not we're never worried about facts before let's not worry about that <laughs> maybe joanna when we met in kind of a zoolander term it's like she's so hot right now Okay, well, so my piece of news is that uh, The Rock is going to start in a remake of Shakespeare in Love as Shakespeare. <laughs> oh, no, hang on, I've just got a notification through. No, he's, he's not anymore, no. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so my piece of news is that uh, there is a new frontrunner in the race to play the Joker in the Todd Phillips standalone film. And that man is Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, did I say that right? I kind of felt like... <laughs> I've heard Joaquin before. I don't know about Joaquin, but it's... I thought it was Joaquin. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin Phoenix. I can't even say second name Joaquin now. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, yeah, River Phoenix's brother. Um, however, uh, I mean, first off, can I just ask what people think about that? Uh, right, so I'm going to go to Austin. Surely you've seen a Batman film. Yes, I've seen many. 
you know, who the, you know who the Joker is then? Yeah? I know who the Joker Lots is, yes. Stuff. Uh, so, and you know who Joaquin Phoenix is? Yes. So, is he the guy who was in um, the guitarist? Walk the line. Uh, Walk the, the line. line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yes, yes, he was, yeah. Okay. So, what do you think about him as a potential Joker? Um, I think it'd be, good, it'd be good to have a take. I think we need somebody new to sort of just break the mould, obviously. Um, I can't remember the guy's name now. What's his name? Um, Heath Ledger. Heath Ledger seems to have taken that as being, he's the seminal Joker for this age. People, everybody thinks he's the best um, Joker that we've had in in a long, long time. And um, yeah, maybe it needs a new take because everybody, we all agree that the Suicide Squad uh, (laughs) Joker was pretty shit. So um, yeah, bad, bad taste of just shit in my mouth after watching that. Um, So Joel and Captain Dave, um, Joaquin Phoenix is, is the Joker. Um, yeah, I'm prepared to give it to give it a go. Anything at this point can be better than Jared Leto. I just hope he doesn't have tattooed teeth or whatever the frig he has. <laughs> but maybe I don't know, like a, a less kind of blingy gangstery Joker would be would just be fine with me, to be honest. Yeah, well, I think uh, it's because it's being produced by Martin Scorsese, and I think they want to try and ground it and make it semi-real. I think it's going to be like. A, no, maybe not an origin story if it's Joaquin Phoenix because he's about 40 odd, isn't he? Um, yeah. yeah, but I th- think they're going to try and bring it into the real world. So less cartoony. That'd be good. I think I could have heard worse choices for the Joker, to be honest with you. I mean, when Heath Ledger was announced, I thought it was a terrible idea. I thought he was going to make a terrible Joker. I was wrong. When I heard Jared Leto was announced for Suicide Squad, I thought, oh, he might be a good shout. He might be quite a good Joker. I was wrong. So I really don't have much. I've not got a good track record with Jokers. but I think we can't blame Jared Leto, Leto um, too much because it seemed that he put a lot into it, but a lot of his stuff was left on the cutting room floor. Um, not nearly enough. <laughs> but you say, you mentioned that, you know, it could have been a lot worse and it still can get a lot worse, Dave, because it had, it's not, a, it's not a slam on. It's not a kind of hundred percent shoe in here. Um, so there is another actor in Hollywood who was campaigning very, very hard to land the role. Uh, and anyone, anyone guess who yeah, that actor uh, might be? Tommy Wiseau. Yes. Oh, <laughs> campaigning very hard to play the Joker. I'd love it for, to be the rock. <laughs> <laughs> well, the rock can play anything as we have just already established and he will, he will play everything. Um, yeah. I mean, anyway, yeah. So, uh, so I think that'll be very good. The, the room starring, uh, no, well, sorry. Starring the, the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> the, the joking room. Uh, well, God. Wrap <laughs> 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 it up, guys. Wrap it up. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, everyone. That was the news. Yep. Uh, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So this is Films on Trial. If you've never heard the show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It's as simple as that. So all of our films are pulled from random out of the hat. And this week's turn is Blood Diamond. Um, so uh, along with the films at random, also the roles are pulled out of the hat at random as well. So in the role of defense this week and trying to get the film placed on the hit list is going to be our good friend Joel. Uh, in the role of prosecution and trying to condemn this, bless you. <laughs> Just so opposed to whatever I'm going to say. Uh, and in the role of defense, no, and prosecution trying to condemn this film to the, list, the shit list, you've thrown me off here, is me. Uh, then we've got the character witness who is going to be played by... 
me. Austin. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I forgot. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be lens. You've actually, hang on, you've seen this film? I've seen the film. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Okay, that's a good start. Austin yeah. has seen one of the films. Uh, and you are going to be throwing your genuine opinion behind each argument that we put. Give it a bit more weight. And then in the most important role, we have Dave as the judge. And his role is to listen to all the arguments that are put forward to him and make a decision as to which list the film should be placed on using just the arguments and not his own opinion, you naughty boy. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. without further hesitation, I think I should give everybody a bit of a overview of the film by providing or reading out a synopsis. Um, so how should I read it out this week? There's only one way yeah, yeah. to do this, mate. It's, it's got to be South African. Okay, right. <laughs> or, or Rhodesian, as Leonardo DiCaprio calls it. Well, yeah, I could, I could pretend to do Rhodesian and just do anything, <laughs> which is what Leonardo DiCaprio does. Oh, Ellie shot, Ellie shot, Ellie shot. Okay, um, okay. <clears throat> a fisherman or smuggler and a syndicate of businessmen match wits over the possession of a priceless diamond. <laughs> What about Danny Dyer? <laughs> <laughs> Diamond geezer. <laughs> okay, uh, so without further hesitation, Captain Dave, would you like to kick things off, please? Yeah, okay, so we're on the Blood Diamond. Um, who would like to go first, defense or prosecution? Who wants to kick us off? <laughs> go on. Uh, okay, it'll be me then, yeah. Go on, um, Gav. Oh, uh, no, I really wanted Joel to go first because my notes look like the ramblings of a madman. <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a kind of notebook that you'd find under a bed in, in, in a death row. Uh, <laughs> okay, um, right. So, uh, firstly, I just want to say that this is not a good film. Um, and I don't know whether it's because I watched Black Panther like two nights before I watched this film. But I, I watched this and I just thought the entire way through... It, all it did was just reinforce stereotypes. It was that whole horrible, hideous, like tired trope of the white savior. You know, the white man saves the day. Uh, I mean, there's even a quote that Leonardo DiCaprio says halfway through the film where he says, without me, you're just another black in Africa. It's, you know, it, like the, the whole thing is that he is there to save the day. And it's, it's very, um, it's, it's evident from the very, very beginning that that's what's, what's going to happen. And when you know that tired film trope and you hate it so much and you can see it coming, it just kind of spoils the film because you know what's going to happen essentially. Um, so what I should say is it should have been about what, what the film should have been about was Solomon. It should have been about just him or his story. Or if you're going to have a Leonardo DiCaprio figure in there, make the Leonardo DiCaprio story second figure second fiddle sorry um but unfortunately it's solomon who has to play second fiddle throughout it should have been about him and his resistance and his determination to find his son when he's faced with so many struggles but ultimately it becomes about this really boring and unconvincing love story about two really unsympathetic and unscrupulous white characters i mean that Solomon is the one who lives and experiences everything in the film, but we never actually hear about it from his perspective. We never hear about what is going on in Sierra Leone from a black character's perspective. We only hear about it from a white character's perspective. So his trauma is always sidelined by like this unnecessary and unconvincing love story. Um, I, I mentioned about stereotypes. I, I think this film is just really, really bad at reinforcing stereotypes. I mean, I mentioned about Black Panther before, which is just really great for having really well-written, deep, meaningful roles for people of color. This is just 
really bad. It's this very, very poor stereotypes. There's two types of black character in this. There is one is the kind of like um, a animalistic, guttural, savage. Um, and then the other one is just like the hapless and helpless villager. And th- that that's it. And none of them have any sort of meaningful dialogue at all. Um, I mean, the thing is, is that may have been true about Sierra Leone at the time. But what is also really annoying is that there's no context at all to this film, which is just incredibly lazy considering that it's like two and a half hours long. There's not even like a brief, like 20, 30 second overview at the beginning saying this is what happened in Sierra Leone. We just pick up like snippets of information throughout from white characters or, you know, like kind of side characters about what's going on, but we're not told in full context. Why is there a war? Why is there a conflict? Why are these blood diamonds so popular? Who are these rebels? Why are they in, why are they in power? Like it spends just a really long time, unnecessarily long time on this love story, which we are just never convinced of. Like from the very beginning, we find out that these characters are just unscrupulous and they will do anything to further their career. And they never have any sort of, well, Jennifer Connelly doesn't have any sort of redemption later on. Leonardo DiCaprio does. I mean, his last stand at the end, but even then he's a despicable character that we can't really rally behind. And that's just the way his character has been written as well. Other things, um, dialogue, it's just very poor. Um, it's just very unconvincing as well. What I really hated is the line TIA, which is said many, many times, which stands for this is Africa. And the thing is, is that's like kind of like used as a statement, like, well, we can do whatever the fuck we want because TIA, you know what I mean? There's even a scene where, um, uh, Arnold Voslo, is it the guy from the mummy? He gets shot by, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. And just before he shoots him, he says, Hey, TIA. And, and then Arnold Voslo gives him a nod, like, oh, Yeah, you're right. And then Leonardo DiCaprio shoots him as if, like, Yeah, we can do that here because this is Africa. <coughs> uh, the music, very lazy, very, very, very lazy. It's almost like the director just went to HMV under the African music section. It's just, it felt like it just a big stereotype throughout. Um, and also the, the filming, the, the way it's filmed, like this, there, are, there are a lot of good kind of conflict or battle scenes, but they're very gratuitous. And I understand that, you know, like war isn't pretty and, you know, that sometimes it needs to be gratuitous. But this, there's some instances where it's just too much. It goes on for too long. And the thing is, is that it's not very well filmed. It's, it's the terrible, terrible trope that is just used so much these days um, of shaky camera work to make the audience feel disorientated and make it feel like that they're actually there and make them feel a bit sick. But when you've got like a six to ten minute long conflict scene where there's explosions and gunfire everything and you've got this constant shaky camera, it just completely puts you off. You just feel ill. You're just like, can you just focus on one thing and just let me look at it? Let me look at the action and let me take it in because at the moment... I'm not being able to kind of be in that moment because I'm just taken out of it by this terrible camera work. And that makes me think that maybe it wasn't choreographed well. Maybe, you know, they just kind of had the explosions and uh, bits of gunfire here and there, but they didn't know what to do with the actors. And that's why there was too much shaky camera work. But at the end of the day, I just think it's just a very bad film. It's it's, it's not a good film at all. The, The entire time I was watching it, I was comparing it to Hotel Rwanda, which I think is a very good film about a conflict in Africa, uh, starring, uh, well, uh, written about black characters who have meaningful dialogue and, uh, you know, three-dimensional. They're not like just these paper-thin characters. Uh, so all in all, terrible film, reinforces stereotypes, white saviour, terrible. Okay, that was 
Pretty damning, to be honest with you. So I heard from Gav there that it reinforces stereotypes such as the white savior and the hapless villager. It, he said it was predictable. He said the score was lazy. Uh, the cinematography was poor. The violence is too gratuitous. Um, it suffers from comparisons to other movies about similar subjects in Africa. The script is poor. You can't sympathize with the characters. They're unscrupulous. The, uh, the love story is boring. And it uh, no con- provides no contextual information about what was going on in history at that point in time. So that is pretty on the nose there. Um, Joel, what, do you, what have you got to say to that? Yeah, so uh, pretty much wholeheartedly disagree with at least <laughs> 95% of Gav, Gav's points. Which, which uh, bit do you agree with? <laughs> it is obvious what's going to happen, but there is a reason for that. And, you know, I, I'll kind of get to that. So... When this film was released, in my opinion, it's, it was DiCaprio's kind of best work at that time, you know, 2006. Um, it is about Danny, who is a diamond smuggler. He goes into Liberia, he smuggles guns, rocket launchers. So he is a smuggler and he, he's a scumbag. You're not meant to like him. Um, and he plays that very well. You know, you really do not like the character. But it's rare that a movie that, uh, sorry, it's rare in a movie that its stars take a backseat to the location, but at the centre of Blood Diamond is Sierra Leone. The movie takes us to the late 1990s, which, although this film is not a real story, it's based on real life. Uh, So in the 1990s, where chaos and hatred envelop the country, and it makes the civil war especially devastating because the violence has spread to the civilian population, and that is all explained at the start of the film. Um, unlike most films that deal with atrocities, every character in Blood Diamond bears some responsibility for the devastation of Sierra Leone. Victims quickly turn into victimizers. The saints don't live very long. Everyone, no matter where they land on the ethical spectrum, wants only one thing, and that's to get out the country, to get out of Sierra Leone. The cinematography, which I think was Eduardo Serra, uh, who did Unbreakable, sorry, he managed to capture, like, Africa and just, you know, how beautiful the country is. And it maintains a true sense of dread and horror that manages to kind of take over the story in a way. So although when you look at it, when you look at the cover, you know, you read the synopsis, you could be forgiven in a way for thinking it's kind of like an action-adventure film, and it's not. It's a war film. It's engulfed in intense violence and death. Um, to create a recurring shockwave effect on viewers, the director, Edward Zwick, uh, frequently shows fighters sweeping through villages, towns, cities. They machine gun absolutely everybody in sight, and there doesn't really seem to be any kind of context. Almost, of Gav, almost as Gav says, there isn't really a justifiable reason for it or rhyme, um, and that kind of makes it all the more difficult to digest. But that's exactly the point of the film. You know, this stuff happened in real life. There wasn't really a need for it, and there isn't a reason why a lot of this stuff happens. It's just um, the way you know, the way it was then. So soldiers recruit children, they perform, you know, hideously violent acts, they drug them to keep them kind of mollified. And the film kind of goes with this idea that, uh, like, whenever this kind of natural resource comes out of an African nation, whether it's oil, whether it's gold, whether it's ivory from elephants or diamonds, the country itself rarely profits, and the standard of living of its citizens, it's it's never improved. And, and this all kind of comes across in the film and it, and it really does kind of hammer it home and it, it also makes the point that then instead you know strife reigns the spoils go to the corrupt business people quite often who are nowhere near africa and this comes across really well in the film 
Um, and actually, I just want to touch on on one thing in the film. So the film's ending uh, is this conference where it, it, they're talking about blood diamonds and Solomon kind of gets up, does a speech. And this is actually referring to a real-life event, which was uh, the Kimberley Process certif- Certification Scheme, which is meant to kind of curb the trade of conflict diamonds, basically. But it's kind of since then been abandoned as ineffective. And I think, you know, good films, they kind of change the way sometimes that you think about things. And I think war films especially do that maybe more than most. And this film kind of caused so much of a stare that the diamonds industry kind of kind of sat back and took notice so much so that a PR firm um, who dealt with the World Diamond Council coordinated a 15 million campaign to counter it to try and put the best possible spin on on diamonds and to try and you know when you watch the film obviously that what you kind of come away with is you know where does my diamond come from type of thing is it you know a conflict diamond so they tried to counter that um, which kind of shows the the power that the that the film had over kind of the industry and over a lot of people um, who were possibly about to buy diamonds, you know, without knowing where they come from. Okay, so just to to, to touch on a few points that, that Gav made. So he references, you know, this film being about stereotypes and white saviors. And, you know, like I kind of touched at the start, it's not really about that at all. <laughs> the, the two stereotypes that Gav touched on are the savage and the helpless villager, and that is literally how it is. You know, you can say the stereotypes, but that is literally what it was about. You're either with them or you're against them, and you're either, like, fighting against, you know, the RUF, or you were just a kind of civilian, and you can't really say that those two are stereotypes because that is literally how it exists in the world today. And the love story, I kind of think it it plays second fiddle behind behind the whole film. There isn't really... It never really gets off the ground, I don't think. And then the white savior, like I said, Leo's character, he's a smuggler, he's a scumbag, and I think he plays the role very, very well. If anything, you know, he's he, you will consider him to be like an anti-hero rather than a savior. And it's only uh, due to the film's storytelling that he actually gets to make like kind of a very, very slow, like 180 degree turn into having like some type of redemption arc. And I don't really think that, you know, he, he is a savior in that respect. Does he, or does he not save the day at the end? Well, he, he does. And but, is he, or is he not white? Well, yeah, but... White savior! <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. All right, uh, Gav, got anything further to add? Briefly, this is a brief rebuttal. We'll go on to your points afterwards. I want to speak to Austin first. Right, right, oh, quick, quickly, quickly. Quick rebuttal if there's any points that riled you right okay so joel said that you're not meant to like him i know he's just an arsehole he's an arsehole character and he's a racist but the thing is is that he is still a white savior so the message there at the end is even when you're an arsehole you can still be a white uh, white savior and um, sierra leone you said to the country uh, the film was about the backdrop you know but the thing is is that it never goes into detail about sierra leone and um, it, it could have been absolutely anywhere it's not mentioned at all what is going on i mean there's brief snippets of conversation and dialogue here and there but it's not explained fully and then you mentioned about the stereotypes i'm sorry man but they are it's two stereotypes and that's it like uh, i mean there's this a bit later on where um uh, leo and uh, the mummy are having a conversation (laughs) 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 Uh, about africa and they have these really insightful um uh, 
bits of dialogue where they're talking about, you know, the, the, the sand being turned red because of blood. And whenever there's two black actors together, they do not have that type of dialogue. It's always like guttural and animalistic. And, you know, I, I understand it is a brutal civil war. And a lot of the time when Solomon is talking about the, um, is talking about his experiences or he's talking about getting his family back, he's very emotional. Um, but the thing is, is that he is never given the platform or, or anybody else, any other black character, that they're not given the platform, the same platform anyway, that the white characters are given to express their feelings about Sierra Leone, Africa, Blood Diamonds or anything. I'm going to need someone to shed a little bit of light on this. Austin, I'm going to call on you. Right, Gavin says that the stereotypes really do mar the film, um, both in terms of the white saviour and in the way that the black villagers are depicted. Uh, he says that the love tri- the love story was boring. Joel concedes that it's, it's playing second fiddle to a bigger picture anyway. Um, Gav says there's no contextual information. Joel says there's enough. And I guess it just sort of leaves you to fill in the blanks yourself. He says it's explained as far as it can be um cinematography i'd like to get your opinion on um is it too gratuitously violent and from what joel was saying um the film did cause a stir and maybe this gave us a lesson that we needed to hear i'd like to get your thoughts on that okay well in terms of context the the, the opening scene sort of sets some context immediately there's a there's map some, and then it drops a point on the map also there's, there's, there's also set. some writing underneath the thing which tells you about diamonds and stuff immediately is the very very opening scene so i think it sets and then the rest of it is is told within the story so yeah you've got to work a little bit to piece things together so yeah i can understand why you might say there's no context because quite a lot happens before you understand why it's happening so yeah there are bits where you like what what the hell's going on it's just uh what's the, what's the fighting all about but i think it's uh yeah i think it's dealt with in terms of content i don't think that really upsets you too much it doesn't enjoy it doesn't spoil enjoyment of the film uh shaky camera work uh yeah at times that is at, at times that's too much because but but again it, it's it's impactful because it's it's a there's a lot of action you know there's a lot of shooting and maybe at times it's a bit uh, a bit too, bit you know, it is a bit gratuitous. There's, there's some bloodshed, but I, help, I think it helps. It's impactful again. The entire, it seems to work. It worked for me that it, there's a lot of, lot of violence. It's very loud. Gunshots are. We talked in a few episodes back that um, that gunshots were really quiet within. Um, What's it called? Jesse James, where the gunshots are sort of understated. In this, gunshots are really loud. <laughs> like, uh, so you really feel, you know, you feel immersed in that. And, and I think that leads into the sort of the camera work. It's all part and parcel. It makes you feel a bit disorientated. But um, the bits that are not shaky, it's actually very beautifully shot. Um, I think they make the most, like Joel said, they make the most of the of the settings. Um, it's really good. The, um, the stills that they use for the photography bits are, are very good as well. It's sort of like classy war photographer type stuff um stereotypes yeah there uh, there's no there's no real getting away from it that the black characters are uh yeah guttural they're um that they're almost depicted as being um you know quite savage but i don't know whether that's just because uh, you know in in south africa particularly so um i work with a south african guy and he actually references this is africa all the time that's something that actually gets said um, and they they just treat it like that sort of corruption and things like that. It's sort of a way of life. So they say 
things like that all the time. And he says, he sort of references things like that all the time to get away with all sorts of things. Um, but yeah, they, they, it's over, it's over the top. Stereotype bits are over the top. They don't get any good, any good lines where they really could do. There's a lot of opportunity for them to, uh, to have a good, have a good say, but they're not the, uh, they're not the two main actors that are going to get you, uh, get you the ratings. So people aren't going to listen is the way I took away from it. And uh, I think Gab mentioned that it's very obvious. Both, both people uh, mentioned it's very obvious what happens and it is, you know, you, you know what's going to happen from about an hour in, uh, you can tell what's happening, but I don't think that takes away from it. It's a, it's a big Hollywood, uh, blockbuster and, uh, and it feels that way, even though it's, uh, even though it is obvious, you know, there's no surprises, but, but it's big. Okay. Thank you very much. So yeah, the, it's going to be a tricky one to call this one. I can already see it. This is uh this really could go anyway. Uh, so it's, it's, on both of you to win or lose this one, so who would like to go next for the uh, second round? Joel, Looks do you like want to I'll kick this one off? <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, man. Well, I'm going to start off with Leo. So obviously he plays Danny, and I'm going to go straight in at the deep end with his accent. So I did a little bit of research on this, because I think it's fair to say none of us here are experts in South African accents, especially regional dialect. Uh, and excuse before me, you did you not up, just hear my synopsis before, mate? The, the Danny Dyer-South African hybrid. I thought that was uh, a Leo. I yeah, it was, it, was right. it was Redemption. Thank you very much, Chelsea. So, uh, I, I, yeah, as I say, I did a little bit of research. One of them was, um, well, I'm going to read out two things. One of them was taken from an, from a website uh, by a South African, which compares uh, a film which you mentioned just kind of off air before, Gav, which is Invictus. So it compares Matt Damon against Leo, and it says which one's better. And I'll just read off a quote. It says, as far as accents go, I don't think it's really close. Leo is just unbelievable. He consistently gets every word right, and he's. And one thing to remember is he's doing the accent of an English-speaking South African-speaking English so then I've got a quote from SouthAfricanDialect.com and it says, Finally, Hollywood has brought through its ranks somebody who can pull off a South African accent without getting laughed off stage. This has been a point of some concern for South Africans who have had their lovely accent slaughtered in films like Lethal Weapon 2 and Mission Impossible <laughs> 2. So just a little bit of research there just to whet your appetite. Don't um, worry, I've got research as well, mate. So Nelson Mandela. <laughs> <laughs> so the acting, you know, regardless of what you think of the the film, the story, whatever, I just thought the the acting was absolutely brilliant, and you know that's backed up by uh, the kind of recognition in the Academy Awards. So Leonardo got a got a nod for best performance, so best actor. Uh, then uh, Jimon Honsu got a nod for best supporting role as well. And both of those characters were, were brilliant, you know, especially uh, Jimon Honsu. All his scenes were like really, really emotional. He just displayed like such a wide range of acting talents and especially the scenes with his son and with his father. You know, you can really just see, you know, kind of how far a father's love will go. You know, that unrelenting determination. It just kind of never stops throughout the film. And I just thought, you know, he did a really good job with that. So DiCaprio's Archer, I thought he was like a really kind of smart blend of, of kind of rogue and champion. So he plays like the smuggler and he plays it, you know, as the scumbag that he is. He exploits others for, for personal gain. His vocal characteristics, they're central to the character. His mannerisms, they're designed to keep him emotionally distant from everything that's around him. So you're really not meant to kind of connect with the character and really root for him. 
So a strong characterization is solely responsible, in my opinion, for the powerful con- conclusion. So he sacrifices himself for Solomon's sake at a pivotal moment. So having gradually turned 180 degrees, Danny ends up embodying what it means to lay down your life for another human being. He is, in essence, sorry, he, in essence, rejects his former behaviors, his attitudes, and does the right thing when the right need when the right thing is needed most. And the death scene and the call to Maddie that kind of follows it, it really is kind of a touching moment within the film. Jennifer Connelly, you know, I'm, I've never been her biggest fan, and she is okay here. I wouldn't say she's great. She doesn't have the best kind of character, I don't think, but she does okay. And her moments with Archer, especially that conversation at the end, like I say, are really kind of particularly uh, potent. And then just kind of to touch on a, a subject which Gav covered earlier on, which was the sound, when it actually got a best achievement in sound mixing at the Oscars and also best achievement in sound editing. And it also got soundtrack of the year in some, I'm not sure what award that was, but in 2006, it also got a soundtrack of the year, one of the award shows as well. Um, so that all about topped me off, I think. So were they nominations or were they actual wins? They were nominations, sorry. Nominations, cool. Okay, so we've got a lot to think about there. Joel's talked about the characters and the performances, uh, namely that the performances were very good. We got Academy Award nominations for DiCaprio, Academy Award nomination for Hunsu. What do you think, Gav? How were the performances for you? Like Leonardo DiCaprio could fart in a bag and he'd get an Oscar nomination <laughs> for it. You know what I mean? It's no biggie that he got an Oscar nod for this. So, so let, let's not gush over that for one minute. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's Oscar, or uh, sorry, Oscar uh, accent, or as I like to call it, the ultimate Marmite accent. Um, uh, I, I will like to say that um, Patsy Kensit said that it's the best South African accent she's ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she from the East End of London? <laughs> she played a South African in Lethal Weapon too. <laughs> now, so, so Joel mentioned a few other things. I'd like to say that, yeah, I also did some research as well. TheSouthAfrican.com uh, voted it as one of the top 10 worst uh, South African accents of all time. IndieWire.com voted it as one of the top 10 worst accents by good actors in Hollywood films. There's also Hollywood.com. There's a number of different polls stating that it's very bad. So I can't, I, I can't agree with, with, with Joel on that one. I personally think that I don't think if it would have been anybody, if it would have been like a, a Joe Nobody, you know, somebody we've never met before, does and it, it does that accent. I don't think it would have been as bad. It just would have been like, oh yeah, that's not quite. He hasn't hit the nail on the head there, but we can let him off. But the fact of the matter is, it is Leonardo DiCaprio, and as, as far as I can think, it is his only accent that he's ever done in a film. I think that it stands out like a mile, especially in the scenes where he gets really angry or when he shows any sort of emotion when he's trying to act. Essentially, um, it, it comes out. You can hear like what you know Leonardo DiCaprio's accent there and it's just obvious and so I think that's the downfall there and I also think that they maybe um tried to pull a little trick there and say oh it's not actually South African it's Rhodesian so there's a bit of Britain in there as well and there's a bit of South African and there's a bit of that you know they tried to make it sort of multi-layered to cover up the fact that it wasn't spot on so that's that's what I I genuinely think there Uh, I think also for Leonardo DiCaprio as well I was very surprised how how much I was 
wasn't captivated by his performance. And I think maybe that's because the character was a bit restricting, but it isn't until uh, towards the end of the film, I'd say the last, say, 45 minutes maybe, where he actually starts acting. Uh, beforehand, it's just sort of, he's just playing it by numbers. The only the, the first point where he actually does any sort of emotion that I think, oh yeah, okay, yeah, he's doing a performance here, is when him and um, uh, Solomon have a big fight on their way to Sierra Leone. Um, just Solomon, you know, wants to flag down the um, the rebels because he thinks his son might be amongst them. And Leonardo DiCaprio, he, he shows his true colours. He says some pretty racist things, and then they have a bit of an argument. And yeah, that's the first time that that I that he puts, you know, he turns it up a gear. But that's like, you know, like nearly two hours have been in the film before he starts properly acting. You know, so the thing is, and his character as well, is a complete shit. He's, he's not a likable person. And But the thing is, is that he has snippets of good. He'll do a good deed every now and again. But then he'll just go back to being a shit. You know, and towards the end, he shows his true colours in that fight with the, um, with, with Solomon, where he says, you know, like he's, where he says some pretty racist things. And then like the next big scene that he's in is his death scene. And I'm, I'm thinking like, well, I don't really care that this guy's dying because he was, you know, kind of unscrupulous arsehole throughout the entirety of the film. Um, it's, the thing is, is it, it, I, th- I think what it is as well is, is, is his accent really hinders his performance. So maybe that's why he doesn't kind of give a great performance throughout because his accent is sort of like hindering him. Um, I, I want to talk about uh, Jennifer Connelly as well. I, I thought, you know, I, quite, I like Jennifer Connelly, but in this, I think her performance was quite boring. Um, the thing is, is that that love story between the two of them, and I know you said that it doesn't take, uh, you know, it, it doesn't take up a lot of time, but it does. There's a lot more time spent between those two than there are between um, um, Solomon and uh, anybody else, essentially. And it's very unconvincing to me. It felt like Titanic. It felt like, you know, instead of concentrating on the event, the real reason, you know, we're here for the film, you know, the struggle, the, the conflict in Sierra Leone, Blood Diamonds, it was more about those two getting together. And the thing is, is it's very unconvincing because it's not like a sort of, they fall in love at the very first meeting. It's a lot of like kind of to and froing. And when he rings her at the end, he does that, that act, as you said, uh, you know, to say, oh yeah, you know what, I love you. It was just like, where the hell's that come from? You know what I mean? Because you you haven't expressed any sort of emotion really to it uh, throughout the film. Um, once again, she's unscrupulous. She's as unscrupulous as he is, to be honest. She uses the conflict for her own gain. And she says as much at the very first time we meet her. She says, well, I'm here because, you know, I want to further my career, essentially. Um, we see her as that she's our vision into, you know, what's happening in Sierra Leone and in Africa. And, you know, they go to the um, refugee camps and she's taking pictures of people uh, through a fence. And it's just like, you know, that, that bit just annoyed me because, you know, like you're not asking anybody's permission once you're just using their suffering and their pain to further your career like oh look at me i took this picture and it's really sad isn't it but you're not actually getting to know those people you're not actually getting to know what is going on in sierra leone at the time you're not having a conversation with any of the natives the only people that you converse with are leonardo dicaprio and gmon um Jaimon, who, who's oh, fucking, I fucked Hunsu. it up. Hunsu, yeah. Uh, you know, they're the only two people, and you're only talking to him because uh, he's with Leonardo DiCaprio. You know what I mean? It's like she she is as unscrupulous as he is. So when she has a redemptive bit at the end where she helps um, kind of bring down the, the, the diamond industry, 
it, 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 once again, it feels like, oh, well, I didn't want you to do it. Once again, this is like white savior. It's like her being the savior as well as Leonardo DiCaprio. It's like, I want Solomon to win the day. He is the most incredible part about this film. And Jamon Hunsu, he gives this amazing performance and he should have won the best actor Oscar for it, the, or the best supporting act, ask, uh, Oscar. But the thing is, is that he's, he's a side character in his own film. It's really upsetting that he gives such a terrific performance and he isn't the main the main focus of the film he's never allowed to talk about his trauma uh you know he's he, he, when he does speak or when he is allowed to talk about his trauma he he, he does it in his native tongue and when he's speaking in his native tongue, there isn't even any translation. Whenever two African characters are speaking to each other, there's no translation. It's like they could be saying anything. It's almost like the director thought, well, I'm not even going to bother translating that. It's like their dialogue wasn't as important because it's two uh, black characters or it's, it's not Leonardo DiCaprio more specifically, probably. Um, you know, he wasn't spotlighted enough in his film. He became a second character. And that, that, that's it. Essentially, there's no other kind of characters or actors that stand out for me. Um, the, the, the bad guys in it, you know, the, the Western bad guys, uh, Michael Sheen, they are not highlighted at all. They are not shown in the same light as the, the, um, the, the rebel bad guys. There's no juxtaposition as in like, oh, they're savages here, but over in the West, they're just as bad. It's just like he's a man doing something. There's no sort of um, consequence to his actions as well. And there's no final resolution. It's just like kind of he drifts away and then there's a bit of text that comes up and says, oh yeah, this accord was brought in. There's nothing like that. It just feels very, very unfinished. So yeah, at the end of the day, one incredible performance, but doesn't save an ultimately bad film. Okay, okay. The clock's running down, so I'm going to ask Joel if you've got any rebuttals quickly. Yeah, just a, a very, very quick one. I'm, I'm only going to jump on at like one or two points because honestly, uh, you just rambled on for so fucking long. I almost it says, it says King Ramble over here. <laughs> fucking John Ramble. <laughs> uh, but the, you keep harping on about the love story, and it, like I said, it, it really isn't this a love story. Like, although they kind of do get together and there is feelings implied, there isn't this, yeah, but it's not like you know, like Titanic, where there's this like unbreakable bond. And there's this kind of, at the phone call at the end, I think Danny actually says to her, uh, like, I'm glad that I met you, and she says, Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad I met you too, type of thing. There's never like, Oh, I'm in love with you. You know, I want to spend the rest of my life. That's never in the film. So this whole love story that you keep going on about isn't even there to begin with. And also, um, the, when she's taking pictures, I think she actually says, um, you know, a lot of people back home, they'll see this picture for like a minute type of thing, and then they'll move on and they'll forget about it. They don't get to see like all the kind of horror and all the all the stuff that's behind that. So although like she isn't the kind of nicest person as well, she does have like this uh, kind of understanding of, of what's going on there. And I think uh, a lot of the stuff that's in the film, you're obviously just kind of even not understanding it. And you need help to, you need somebody to sit with you when you're watching the film to explain what's going on. <laughs> or... <laughs> Like, bear in mind, you let's, got, let's not you got most of your now. points from IMDb, I'm guessing, right? Like, honestly, you, like, I could just imagine you're like a dog watching the TV. You don't take anything in. You just look at the bright pictures. All right, all right. Let's <laughs> Joel, have you got anything to add that isn't a swipe at Gav? Um, have I? They're all swipes at Gav. swipes at Gav. Okay, Austin. Ozzy, I'm going to need you to clear this one up yeah, for okay, me a bit, I'll mate. Try, I'd, like you to, I'd like you to tell me about this love story. Did you feel it was a love story or is it just tension? Um... It did feel a little bit unnecessary at times, but it also helps 
there's no, she doesn't get very, very much to say throughout, really. So, the, and then somehow the bits that she does say sort of backs up Joel's argument there that she tries to justify her role and how rubbish the Western press is at, at doing that. So there's a few like little preachy moments that you, yeah, maybe you don't really get behind, but um, they're not in it for very long. So all, there's a message there to be passed over, but it, it doesn't. Um, so it, it comes across a little bit. Um, but I don't think the love story was, uh, it was clearly there. It helps fill out the, the Hollywood trope, but um, it, it wasn't, it wasn't overpowering. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't too, wasn't too played upon. And how are the performances in general? I thought the performances were all pretty good. Um, Jaiman Honsu was, yeah, he was absolutely standout. He was fantastic. I thought Leonardo DiCaprio was uh, was like a million times better than he was in Titanic. But obviously I thought Titanic was a, was a pile of shit. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, I, I thought he was really good. There, there was a, a clear step up, like Gav said, that, you know, he, I thought he was very good up until, uh, sort of, you know, an hour and a half in. And then, yeah, then it steps up quite a lot, and he, you see he definitely starts acting. But he was he was very good up until I thought he was. Uh, he plays his part well. He's a deplorable character, um, and you you do you don't like him. You know he acts acts it well. You don't want to. You don't want him to win. And final question I want to ask you: um, Joel said you mentioned before about the stir this caused. Is this a story that was worth telling? And well, no, we know it's a story worth telling. Did this film do it justice? Um. I think that's a really tough question. So I think, I think without this film, probably nothing would have got done. I, I think that's right. It was a very big Hollywood blockbuster about uh, a horrific incident, and uh, and I think, yeah, I, th- I think it, did, I think it does a good job of highlighting a particular scenario. I think Gav government takes it really well. There is that the actual the white bad guys, you know, glossed over. They, they talked about for a couple of minutes at the start of the film. And a couple of minutes throughout, um, but you know the real bad guys are the RUF or is the RUF RFU? I forget which side so, is which. Um, <laughs> so I, either way, you know the real bad guys are, are the black guys shooting each other up. The Africans are fighting each other throughout, and that's what comes across as the government is bad, the uh, the rebels are bad. The only good people are the ones who've taken back the. Uh, the, the African children, um, the white ones, <laughs> and, and the white ones. Um, so yeah, so you, you know the, the actual white bad guys are, are glossed over, and it helps to to uh, shed light on the uh, the atrocities happening for these diamonds. But it doesn't really make you feel about you know the certification or whatever. You know the, the people who've done the bad to begin with. You don't hear that, but I think it was good to uh, to highlight. Okay. Okay. Right. Um, I was thinking I could just get... Should we do closing arguments now, or do you want to take a stall for a bit? What do you guys fancy? Closing arguments? Okay. You guys got a minute. Take it away. <laughs> Joel, would you like to go first? Uh, yeah, okay. So this film is a really, really powerful film. It'll, it'll pull on all your heartstrings. It's about real-life issues that are based in Africa that are still going on today. I've already mentioned on how powerful it was that the diamond industry kind of uh, kind of took a step back and noticed about um, you know you know this film and they felt the need to to then kind of go on a campaign and try and justify where it's got its diamonds from. But that aside, you know, it's just a great film. The the acting on display is is very very good, um, and that'll do it. Okay. 
almost find it easier shitting on films in that minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which can, is why I'm going to go over mine now. Concise and to the point. You you get a minute like everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> I want to get the, the best of Joel's as well. A minute and a half, please. <laughs> no, you get your minute. Off okay. you go, man. Okay, so I think it could have been a really interesting story about conflict and Sierra Leone. However, there was just no context to it. Why are we having a civil war? Why, why are blood diamonds so important? Why all the fighting? It's not about Sierra Leone and it's not about saying anything interesting. And it wasn't about explaining the conflict. It was just a convenient backdrop for an Oscar-worthy story. It was almost like, we want to get some Oscars here. What's going on at the moment? And, you know, a lot of good did come from this film, but the fact of the matter is it could have been a lot better could have been a lot well written and it could have had better uh, characters especially black characters as well i mean the message should have been about solomon overcoming the odds it's not i mean you don't see his family again after we meet them in the camp it's about two white people essentially being able to have a relationship in the hardest of situations i think it could have been a lot better and jamon husson's performance meant it should have been a lot better as well he deserved better but it was just a bad film very very bad film okay this is actually one of the toughest judging jobs I've, I've had on the podcast i'm gonna have to yeah i'm gonna go over my notes which i've made plenty of i'm gonna have a think about this one this is gonna be close yeah and uh shall i pass over to you gab for some yes. some light relief yes. okay so uh light relief guys let's have a bit of a quiz man that, that game that? show button was rubbish <laughs> again, i'll try it again let's have a bit of a quiz that's like a taser that's like half a quiz I know it's rubbish I'm sorry take it all back edit that out of Josie okay so right so first off this is the song okay so because we're gonna have bad blood diamonds we're gonna have bad yeah fuck you fuck you all I like that thanks Dave thanks Dave okay right so this one I want to distinguish well you guys have got to distinguish or try and separate which of these films is about diamond heists and which of these are uh, vampire films <laughs> in, a film, in a quiz i call uh, diamonds or blood blood diamonds um okay so first one uh, captain dave after the sunset diamond or blood um i want to say vampire but i'm gonna say diamond you know diamond blood blood uh blood Okay, well done, Captain Dave. It is wow. Diamond, action comedy in which Woody from Cheers pursues diamond-stealing <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> okay, um, number two, Black Sunday, Diamond or Blood? I want to say Diamond again. That feels like a, an East End gangster sort of film. Um, blood. Diamond. Well done, Joel. It's oh, blood. Well it's a bloody vampire film. 1960s Italian horror, also known as Revenge of the Vampire. Okay, <laughs> number three, The Cape of Hope. Diamond or blood? I'm going to presume it means co- uh, cape as in like a coastal sort of region, so I'm going to go with diamond again. Yeah, diamond. I'm going diamond as well. Well done, well done. 1951 French-Italian crime caper. <laughs> um, number four, Comes a bright day, diamond or blood? I've not said blood for a while, so I'm going to go blood. Blood. Mm, diamond? Blood. <laughs> I like the way you say blood. <laughs> but no, it's, it, it is diamond, yeah. Uh, it's a British dark comic thriller starring Timothy Spall. Uh, oh. Number five, habit. Diamond or blood? Habit. Just, just habit. Yeah. Blood. Blood. Mm, diamond? Um, blood. 
blood, blood, blood. 1997 vampire horror movie. Uh, number six, Midnight Sun. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go blood again. Okay. <laughs> it literally makes the most, the least amount of sense I think I've ever heard. So I'm going to go with blood. Thailand. Mm, Okay, so uh, it's actually son, as in son and daughter. Um, uh, so I was hoping you'd go for that. It, it, it's blood. A 2011 German horror film. <laughs> uh, number seven, The Mystery of Mr. X. Diamond or blood? Uh, diamond. Diamond. Blood. Oh, Ozzy, come on, put your finger on me. It's, it's diamond. <laughs> I'm just going to go opposite because eventually I'll win. <laughs> It's a 1934 American crime film starring Robert Montgomery playing a young Professor X before he got his doctorate. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Number eight, and the last one here, is The Caretaker, Diamond or Blood? The Caretaker, Diamond. Blood. Diamond. It is actually Blood. Uh, yeah, this sounds really good, actually. It's a, an Australian uh, vampire film in which a group of teens uh, take refuge in a big mansion because there's been a number of vampire slayings and they make a pact with a vampire who's living there. And he says, listen, I'll watch your back while you're asleep and make sure no vampires eat you. And you watch my back while I'm asleep and make sure no humans eat me. So actually yeah, a fresh right. take. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's that's probably, it sounds really good, doesn't it? Uh, anyway, yeah, right. Uh, oh, oh, right uh, trivia uh, of the week. Uh, I was going to say, Alex, Alex, what's your trivia? Oh, he's not done it again. <laughs> Alex. Alex um, is camping in the woods. Okay, right so trivia of the week. Here we go, right? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio said in a 2011 interview with Vogue that he did this just to get an Oscar. <laughs> I'm not going to include that in my <laughs> if anything you should get minus points for that, that that's, a, that's a cheeky trivia swipe there Gav, I'm, 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 I'm being as unscrupulous as Leonardo DiCaprio was in the film Which, oh well <laughs> that says it all okay uh, Jennifer Connolly suffered a neck injury while filming a car chase scene with Leonardo DiCaprio it's endangerment you're still making the film look bad <laughs> <laughs> that was the first fact that I found right okay this is is genuinely quite a tricky one. I saw Blood Diamond years ago, and it's been a while, so I've had to have a bit of a refresher here from the guys. It's um, I've got to admit, this is a tough one. So I'm going to rule out the accent point on both counts straight away because Joel says some people have backed it up as a really good Rhodesian accent. Gav says Rhodesian might just be an excuse to get away with a, a dodgy South African, and he says it's also one of the worst. At the end of the day, I don't know. We've got evidence on both sides. I don't know what a Rhodesian accent is meant to sound like. I'm going to wipe that one from the argument track. Um, so Joel says it was effectively shot, and he says, although the violence is graphic, uh, which Gav pointed out, he says it's a war film. What do you expect? You don't really want to skirt around the issue. Uh, but it is beautifully shot in its own way, even though if the shaky camera work does get a bit carried away with itself at points. Austin backed Joel up on these points. Uh, everyone was in agreement that the plot was quite formulaic, so it was quite predictable. Um, and I don't think there was much of an argument from Joel that there was a little bit of stereotyping. I think Joel, Joel defended it a bit, but there was a little bit of stereotyping going on here. The performances, I think most people are in agreement that Jaimon Hunsu did a fantastic job in this film. And I, from when I watched the film years ago, I do remember being impressed by him. Uh, see, the fact that DiCaprio did get that nomination suggests that the majority of people did think he gave a good performance, even though Gav has stuck the knife quite deftly into Leo on this one. Um, and Gav, you, you yourself said that um, Digimon, Jaimon Hunsu's performance should have been award-worthy. I find it hard to believe that George Clooney gave a better performance than him that year. 
Was it Syriana? Was that when he won? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. I've, I haven't I, seen it, but I just find it hard to believe. Yeah, Syriana was all right. I'd actually, based on what I remember, I'd actually give it to Hunsu over, over mm. Clooney. Um, yeah, I thought that the love story is there. You know, it doesn't seem like it deterred too much from it. And this was a very important story. What, what Joel pointed out is that this film did actually have an impact. It did change things. It did make people wake up and, and think about where these conflict diamonds are coming from. And although, like Austin said, it was preachy, maybe it was a sermon everyone needed to listen to. Maybe there was a resonance to this, that even if the film wasn't executed as well as it could have been, there was an importance to it. And that combined with what seems to be quite slick production, good performances, if not poor characterization, I'm going to say this is a hit just by the skin of its teeth. Well deserved, I think. Well, I don't know about that, to be honest. <laughs> Shooting fish in a barrel. But no, no. no it, it, yeah. Um, okay, so genuine, genuine opinions. Joel, I imagine yours is quite truthful. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I think after Titanic, like I was majorly put off uh, DiCaprio. I don't even think I watched um, Catch Me If You Can until after this film. And this is like the film that made me sit back uh, and take notice of him again. So I actually really like the film. Is that because of all the explosions? Yeah. <laughs> explosions. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I uh, I didn't like it. Uh, so I was being quite genuine as well. Um, On but, every point, you agree? Uh, yeah, the majority of it, yeah. I mean, I love Leonardo DiCaprio. And Titanic didn't put me off him. If anything, it made me put more posters on my wall. Um, <laughs> but like, I, I didn't see this film until the other night. So, and I had just seen Black Panther, which is incredible. And it's just really, really well written. And the characters Are in it... Are we secretly getting sponsored by Black Panther, by the way, mate? I fucking wish. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I really, really wish. Ryan Coogley, if you're listening to this, mate, very highly unlikely. Uh, probably turned it off when Joel started speaking. But uh, yeah, please do sponsor us. Um, so yeah, no, I, and I think because I saw that so, so close to it, it just really, really made it stand out how poor the characters were written. And uh, I, as I said earlier, you know, I kept on thinking about Hotel Rwanda, which I think was a really, really great film. And I agree. Hotel Rwanda was fantastic, but I had to take that out of the equation. I've got to judge it on yeah, its yeah. own merit and I can't let another film so, yeah, sway me. I do, I do agree with Joel that, you know, it did do a lot of good. It's set about a movement which may not have necessarily taken place um, if this film hadn't existed. But I also agree with Ozzy when I say that they could have done it a hell of a lot better. It just, for me, it would have been, I think, German Hunsu's um, performance in it was just incredible and it just needed a better film. Mm. I've got to say, I, I saw this about a decade ago and um, I remember I quite enjoyed it at the time. I want to watch it again now and see if I made the right yeah. call because this was really close. But um, I think if the film came out now, I think Gav might be right about the stereotypes. I do think he's got a point there. If this film came out now, what a difference 10 years makes. I think it would be a much bigger issue. I don't think the, I think the film would be torn to shreds no, I, as I opposed agree, to yeah. being lauded yeah. like it was at yeah. the time. So what yeah. a difference 10 years makes. Austin, what did you think of it? I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really... I, and I, want, I actually wanted to hate it when I watched this. I only watched it recently just for this. And... Um, yeah, I, I started it, got got fed up. It was I thought it was a bit dead. It just wasn't the right mindset. I watched it the other day and um and finished it today. And uh, yeah, it's really it's quite exciting actually. The the action pieces are really 
really stunning. Uh, the, the pictures are really stunning. I quite enjoyed it. It was so exciting. It took you three viewings yeah. to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was also very busy, so I couldn't. I, I just didn't have the time because it was too long. It that, is that a long film. It's two and a half hours. Um, I sh- and somebody should have mentioned that it was too long. Uh, yeah, it could have been better edited. Definitely. Yeah, I, yeah, I, fe- I, fe- yeah. I feel like it did drag majorly in, in parts, and those parts were probably the the um, the love story. Mm. <laughs> right, okay, right. Probably <laughs> I'm dragging quite a lot now. Right, screw you guys. Right, quick, quick high roll lower, high roll lower than Leon. Ooh. What did Leon get again? Eight point six. Not lower than that, sure. Yeah, lower. I'm gonna say lower as well. Okay, say yeah, seven, you're all right. 7.8. You're all right. Lower. Uh, because of what you're saying, Dave. Seven point eight. Go seven point nine. I'm gonna say eight point two. Uh, oh, in between uh, Joel and Ozzy there, it's eight. Oh, Bang right. on the nose. Well, okay. One fat lady, number eight. Um, yeah, uh, okay. And uh, just closing it off, uh, uh, we've got a caption contest. So <laughs> that harrowing scene at the end where Joel described uh, Leonardo DiCaprio ringing uh, Jennifer Connelly to say that he, he doesn't love her, but he does secretly. <laughs> Read between the lines. <laughs> um, so it's him on the phone. And I took a snippet of that scene and I put it on Twitter and asked people to provide captions. The best one, winning a Freddo, of course. Uh, and once again, we've only got one, so you win by default. But I'll read it out anyway. So my good friend, Craig Harris, who says, if I don't win an Oscar for this South African accent, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Bang on the nose there. Uh, yeah, anyway, um, yeah. So while this show has been going on, we have picked at random the next film that we're going to review. And it is... Dun, dun. Hey, 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 it's The Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> well, nicely done. Yeah, nicely thanks. Done. Uh, so, yeah, and we've also picked the roles at random. So in the role of defense, it's going to be me. In the role of prosecution, it's going to be Austin. Hello, Austin. Hello. You, hang on, have you seen this one? I've seen this Whoa, one. Yeah, Whoa, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, wait, okay. You are in for a for a ride <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily a good or bad one just a ride uh, and uh, in the role of judge we have got Joel which means Dave you are the character witness so I just want to say thank you very very much to everybody who has listened to this episode and all of our other episodes if you want to catch any of our previous episodes or listen to future ones you can catch them on iTunes on a number of other platforms but mainly on our website filmsontrial.co.uk also, follow us on Twitter, at Film Trials, where you can suggest films for us to put in the hat, which we will. We'll put them in there, deep in there, and we'll pick them out at random. Who knows? It could be next week. Uh, also, while you're on Twitter, please give our good friends and uh, producers and uh, collaborators uh, a follow. You've got Austin Ray, at Aussie Ray, and our graphic designer, slash artist, slash all-round boss lad, Winston Sang, at the underscore quirks. Also, follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Films on Trial, and that's it essentially just want to say thank you very much and we will be in your ears next week with breakfast club thank you very much goodbye